Welcome to Draw Near with Fred and Kara, where we are continuing our series on the invisible world. So our last topic was about angels, and today we are going to talk about their counter, which I don't even like calling them their, their counterpart because they're not their counterpart. Um, angels are fully united to God. There's no fight. <laughs> you know, we fight temptation, we fight evil, but if we're united to God um, and we trust in him, there's no fight. Um, he's already won. <laughs> But um, angels bring us to God, they bring us to holiness, and I suppose in terms of their intent or their mission, um, demons try to pull us away from God. So they are opposite in that, in, in what they try and do in our lives. So today we're talking about demons or fallen angels and spiritual warfare. And you know, we mentioned uh, in our last episodes about angels that there are some common misconceptions. And one misconception about angels is that they aren't real. And I think this is even more the case with demons, Fred, um, that they that they aren't real or that evil doesn't exist. And I just came across a social media post recently, and essentially the gist of it was the devil doesn't even bother hiding anymore, um, and yet the world still can't see him. And I think this is so true today. This is so much the case and this is him winning if we, if, if we don't talk about this if we don't bring to light um that this does exist that evil exists and demon exists and they work in the world evil can do so much more damage in the dark so fred let's shed light on the truth about <laughs> yeah. darkness what do you say well, I, yeah i think you're exactly right you've right at the start here you've pointed out probably the two biggest misconceptions when we're talking about um the, the, the opposite of last week's discussion on angels, and that is, one, people tend to think, like you said, the demons aren't real. Even people that will embrace and believe in angels, uh, a lot of the, and a lot, a lot of that comes from, I think, New Age sort yeah. of belief. They'll accept one, but not the other. They, they're not willing to accept the bad part of that. And the other extreme, in terms of misconception about demons and about the demonic world, is that they're somehow equal. Like yeah. the devil is God's counterpart, and it's these two great spiritual forces. And that is not true. Uh, Satan, uh, they, as you know, we talked about uh, last week, um, spiritual beings are pure spirit. They're higher intellect than we are. But Satan and his demons, they're not omnipresent like God is. Mm -hmm. They're not omniscient like God is. They're not all-powerful like God is. And furthermore, as you mentioned, they have been defeated. Christ on the cross through his sacrifice and, you know, our redemption in him, they are defeated. Mm -hmm. And we have to keep that in mind because oftentimes when we find ourselves in great spiritual tri trial or temptation, we tend to lose sight of that because it doesn't, we're so overwhelmed that it doesn't feel like they're defeated, yeah. but they are. And, and so a lot of the concepts we're going to talk about today are important to help us realize that and be mindful of that uh, in the world around us. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start by uh, talking about demons. What are they and, you know, why do they exist? That sort of thing. Yeah, so like like angels, uh, you have to keep in mind these were, they were originally angels. They were created with a hierarchical, that's a hard word to say sometimes, <laughs> uh, order just like uh, the angels. Um, you know, they're created uh, higher than us in terms of intellect, pure spirit. Um, they have intellect and will. Yeah. Uh, like us, they were created free. 
Um, you know, but kind of the difference there is that they, in their freedom, uh, chose against God. And a lot of that is rooted in pride. And traditionally, the way many of the saints uh, have understood why would these angels, having perfect knowledge at the time of their creation, seeing and knowing God in his fullness, in a sense, right before them, why would they choose against him? And a lot of people have seen, uh, you know, the saints, uh, as I said, uh, they looked to the incarnation yep. as, as a stumbling block for them. They were not willing to accept that God would become less than them, lower mm-hmm. than them. Because as human beings, we're, we are less than the angels in that sense. But, you know, their pride wouldn't allow that. Uh, Fulton Sheen touches on this, and uh, he's just brilliant. And he just like says, you know, just a couple brief sentences, and it's just brilliant. He basically says exactly what you're saying here, Fred. That that their um, their choice, they knew who God was, they knew His plan, but the thought of mankind, the thought of us, was disgusting to them. Um, and the thought of God's plan for you know, to help us go to heaven or for God himself to become a man was disgusting to them. So, so to, um, to turn around and serve a God who would become a man was something that they could not do. And so they said no. Right. And this is why, you know, pride really is at the heart of all sin, you know, and we see, uh, you know, from the very beginning, scripture, the account in Genesis, from the very beginning, we see Satan set out to, um, you know, set set us to fall. You know, as, as Jesus says, he comes, he's a liar from the beginning. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Uh, you know, he hates these human beings. How, mm-hmm. you know, that, and he, you know, that was such a scandalous, the scandal of the, the incarnation, if you will, was, mm-hmm. was too much for him. And immediately he sets out that plan, you see in Genesis, tempting our first parents into sin leading them astray. So we see not only have some angels chosen against God and they and they've chose chosen to live a life separate from him, but they've also they also want to rob us of that same beatific vision, the same love of God and so they hate God that much that they hate us, if that makes sense. Yeah, so essentially their their purpose is to uh, rob us of our lives. Um, so much so that they, they actually, like, they, they envy our lives because we can turn back to God. In our sin, we have an opportunity to repent and turn back to God. Um, we also have opportunities to feel joy and, you know, all of, this, all of these other things. But I think a lot of the, the gravity in their decision is that they turned away from he who is all good all beauty, all truth, and all love. So their life is, I mean, I mean, it truly sad. It's depressing. It's sorrowful. It's painful. Um, and we see a glimpse of this, just a tiny, tiny glimpse in the world today. Like, you know, we, if we're apart from God, we fall into sin. We maybe struggle with depression. We have, we have struggles interiorly because we're not, we're not united to, you know, the God who, who are, I mean, that's, that's the, the purpose of our nature is to be united to God. Um, and so we see small glimpses of this, but theirs is to the depths apart from God because it's an eternal decision. Yes, uh, eternal because they had perfect will or perfect intellect. They had perfect understanding when they were created. So uh, unlike us, angels created in that state of perfection, whereas we 
have to grow in perfection by the work of grace. So um, in a certain sense, you know, they knew, knew a lot more. And so they're, they're locked in that decision that they made having perfect knowledge, you know, and, and that's kind of the difference. Like um, they're stuck in that place of guilt and shame. So you brought up how we feel when we fall short, when we sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, demons are in, in Satan, you know, the fallen angels are so locked into their, their choice and they feel shame and guilt and that continues to increase in them and yet they would choose the same thing. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Are you, are you, um, you know, sad? Yes. Are you angry? Yes. Uh, do you regret your decision? Yes. Would you do it again? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're, they're so locked in that choice. Again, mm-hmm. having uh, perfect knowledge and so forth. There's this great image of Satan in uh, the Divine Comedy um, by Dante. It's in Inferno specifically, where uh, it comes to toward the end of the book. I would say spoiler warning, but the book was written <laughs> like 900 years ago, so I don't feel like it's much of a spoiler. But when... Um, uh, you get to the end of the story, you find Satan uh, literally frozen in hell at the core of hell. And he's frozen because he's flapping his wings. He keeps flapping his wings and it's creating such a cold draft that he's frozen in place. And he can't stop saying, I will ascend. I will, I will, I will. And he's so pridefully determined to ascend and so set on his own prideful ways and I think that's a really good imagery uh, for the permanence of that decision, but also what pride and sin can do in our lives. I think it kind of, too, like, it points to the mercy that God has in our lives because they're trapped in their permanent decision. But, uh, you know, our our life on earth, we have every opportunity to return back to God. We have every opportunity to um, to learn from a mistake or a sin or, a, you know, an active decision to turn away from he who is good, true, beautiful, and, and love itself. Um, and, and I just think that's a very beautiful thing um, to be reminded of in this. Like, we, our decisions are not permanent. <laughs> yeah. And, and that love there, that's the key. Because um, I know this, and we said this in our last one um, on angels, but... Spiritual warfare, angels, and in particular demons tend to be a topic that, that draw people's attention and, and, and they want to, they're, they're curious about it. And I think that's an important point to make there, Kara, the, the love of God. Because any conversations about spiritual warfare, about demons, um, and in particular angels that doesn't focus on God's great love for us is kind of from the start missing the point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's kind of setting things off kilter. Um, you know, the best way to learn about spiritual warfare and, and how these things work in our lives is to, just to draw closer to God, you know, yeah. is to draw closer to Him, to learn more about God. Father Gabriel Am- Amorth, uh, who was probably the most famous exorcist, certainly in recent times, um, he is now since passed, but he said, you know, he's telling parents, you know, how, how should we teach our children about uh, the devil? And he said, just tell them how much God loves them. Yeah. You know, and that, that's kind of the key. So before we, you know, we kind of somewhat dived in here, but I, I think it's important just to point that out. If you haven't first 
listen to the discussion on angels, please go back and listen to that because that should come first. Um, and I just get concerned about the unhealthy fascination with demonic things. And right. um, it's important that we be aware of these things. They are real. Um, and, and the devil very much applies his mind and will to thwarting God's plan. Uh, he very much has tried from the beginning to get us to rebel against God. But the greater point is God's great love for us uh, and the gift he has given us in redemption and salvation in Christ and, and the gift of you know, our guardian angels and so on. Those are the more important aspects. And, and you know, just want to be mindful not to have an unhealthy fascination with this certain aspects of this discussion so i think there is a healthy you know aspect though like you just said you just said not to have an unhealthy because we do want to make sure we're forming you know our intellect we are aware of of, of these things because as i said in the introduction you know satan and, and the demons they can do a whole lot of work in the dark so we don't want to keep our our intellect in the dark but i think yeah like you said fred you're really hitting hitting on it it's it's the dangerous curiosity when that's like our fascination and we want to start having these conversations and listen to what people have experienced and stuff. That's kind of getting into deep waters. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, Satan's plan, even if it's a truth, he'll have it us. He's happy to have us focus on it to an extreme. Right. Because the reality is anything but God, anything but moderation. Mm-hmm. And those things can actually lead us astray. Um, so... Uh, even the point of the show is draw near. How does a discussion on demons and spiritual warfare help us to draw near to Christ? Because we have to have a healthy understanding of the things that try to prevent us from drawing close to Christ and, yeah. and, and are really and truly at work in our lives to prevent that intimacy from happening. So yeah. uh, that's the answer to that question. So, Yeah, absolutely. So I want to talk about... Um, their interaction in the world because you know we we talked about the fall they did not want to worship a god who would become man so they didn't think that we were worth anything um so satan comes and he tempts adam and eve which gives us the fall what we call the fall and um and so we are you know we are sinful beings we're inclined to sin because of the fall but the consequence of satan coming to tempt mankind and the pride that he had that he would not worship a God who would become mankind, the consequence is that he is stuck with mankind forever. Talk about divine justice here, right? So so the consequence is that Satan and demons, they're, they're stuck with us. So that's their goal is to tempt us to lead us away from God. Fred, how do they do that? What, how do they interact in our lives? How do they tempt us? Uh, well, there's a, a number of ways they tempt us. If we go back to how angels communicate with us, typically uh, what they are going to do is use memories and images from our mind uh, to communicate with us in a certain way. It might come, you know, in the in form of a prompting or something like that. And, um, you know, we might be walking along and, and suddenly a particular thought comes into our mind and it's been years since we've done that thing or thought of that thing uh the other day and i haven't told my wife this but (laughs) for whatever reason you know um i think it was a rough day and i just it just entered my mind man i could really use a cigarette (laughs) 
Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, yeah. I haven't I haven't smoked in a long time, and I didn't really even smoke when I did. Uh, basically, it was you know at the end of my guitar was a Marlboro menthol that would just, just burn to out look while cooler. I was playing. Yeah, it was just to just to look. So it was just a funny little thought, like, hmm, I have asthma. I shouldn't smoke a cigarette. You know, uh, that's great. but you know, that's not the best example. There's certainly more serious examples, but um, that's just the first thing that comes to my mind. Yeah. You know, so things like that. And I think um, that's why it's so important to really use custody of our sen- sen- senses to be careful, you know, what we're, what we're watching, what we're looking at, uh, what we're reading, uh, things of that nature, mm-hmm. um, because you know, we want to fill our mind with good things. Uh, we, we talked about this the last time. Yeah. But it, but as St. Paul says, you know, whatever is good, whatever is pure, whatever is holy, think on these things. Because that, that allows us to respond better when those temptations come our way. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so key, like you just said, and I know we mentioned it in the Angels Talk um, in our practical session. But, um, yeah, just you know, chastity of the eyes or prudence of the eyes. Like if they're using images to tempt us, what images are you putting into your mind? Um, And I think too, uh, reflecting on when images come into our minds, what response do we give to those promptings? Because angels also use images. They use images to, um, to prompt us towards God and to have movements towards God. So we mentioned this when we answer those promptings and when we listen to them more, we're growing in devotion to them. And that, that makes us more ready to continue to answer them. But I think the same applies if we're regularly answering um, the promptings towards evil and towards away from God, the further away from God we become. Yeah, and it's not a matter of, <clears throat> you know, demons read our thoughts or control us or anything like that. It's right. more, it's more just that subtle suggestion. Just you cannot, you can really get a glimpse of exactly how it works right in the garden. Did mm-hmm. God really say? I don't know about you, Kara, but a lot of times when I find myself tempted, it almost has that ring to it. Did God yeah. really say? Like it almost has that trying to rationalize a certain behavior or a certain thing or to glorify it like oh that you know this will be more fun go this way and i think that um that goes to a really awesome point in the saint therese book i believe in love it talks about um you know satan will diminish the sin before you do it and then when you freely choose to do it it becomes um you know constantly a constant shame he'll constantly remind you of it um Mm. Or tell you, you know, you're not worth mercy, or you're you're not you're only worth your sin. So I think that goes to, um, you know, Scripture calls Satan the father of lies. He really is the father of lies. So we obviously have free will, but we get these promptings or these images or these, you know, little pushes that are lies that draw us towards sin be, for whatever reason. It's gonna be, you know, more fun, or it's not as bad, or you know, mm. you know, did God really say that? Right. Yeah, and it's important to. Again, to, to point out that, you know, it, it's it's not the, the prompting or the being tempted itself that's wrong. The reality is it's up to us to decide mm-hmm. uh, whether we continue in that or not. Um, so uh, they might, uh, you know, give us a prompting. Something might come to our mind. But it's up to us whether we decide to take that thing out and play with it. 
Right. If that makes sense. Well, and, and that's exactly like the garden, Fred. I mean, you, you brought up that example. Like the whole reason the tree was in the garden, the whole reason God said don't eat of the tree is because if that tree didn't exist, we would not have free will. It would be like, here's all these good things. There's no opportunity to do anything except good things, to be any, do anything except be united to God. But God placed the tree there so that we had a choice, and we still have that choice to do good or to do evil. Right. And this is where I think traditionally the, the fruit in the garden uh, of the tree wasn't an apple, kind of in our, our yeah. you know, we always typically see it as an apple. But, it, you know, historically, traditionally, it was seen as a pomegranate. And mm. it's a, it's about the pomegranate time of year, by the way. So uh, <laughs> pomegranate, if you never had a wonderful fruit, I can see why Adam and Eve uh, gave in to the temptation. But still, that's not an excuse. <laughs> but if, if you've ever eaten a pomegranate, you know how hard it is to eat a pomegranate. I've you never had one. so I Oh, seriously? Okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, this, this will have to be something we do, I think. Um, so <laughs> we, when it takes a lot of work to get a pomegranate open. And then once you do, it takes a lot of work to peel it and separate the seeds, and it's messy. Um, and there's, Kara, there's around 600 pomegranate seeds typically, okay. in, you know, inside. And it's absolutely delicious, yes. But if you think about that, that is how Satan works in our lives. It's usually not uh, a quick, easy, just grab the fruit and eat it. It's a we take it down and we play with it for a while. Mm-hmm. We think about it. So, um, and we can even do this just to demonstrate it perhaps, you know. Um, yeah. But but opening a pomegranate and it takes time. You know, you're thinking about it. You're entertaining that thought mm-hmm. before you give in to that temptation. And I think that's a great image. You know, we, I talk about this song, this song all the time, Casting Crowns, Slow Fade. I think that that's perfect. It's the perfect imagery for this. You know, it be careful little eyes what you see. It's the second glance that binds your hands while Satan pulls the str- while darkness pulls the string. Wow. That's exactly it. That's that's how this works. Um, yeah. you know, but if, if you turn and we'll we'll talk about practical tips how to resist Satan um, and how to resist temptation because the reality here is God does allow temptation in our lives, but the temptation serves a purpose. Yeah. It, it, he's trying to perfect us, help us grow in holiness. And we see this even in the garden in providing the opportunity for Adam and Eve to have that choice. It's a greater, more real act of love on their part. And so we see every Easter vigil, what do we say? Oh, happy fault, which won for us such a greater redeemer. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the whole point. So when temptations actually come our way, we are strengthened, we are perfected in resisting those temptations. And that's the thing to be mindful of. Um, you know, Scripture says God will not, us, not allow us to be tempted beyond that which we can bear. So every time temptation comes our way, it should be in some ways an encouragement. For one, God has allowed us to be tempted, which means we can overcome it by His grace. Because mm-hmm. we know he's provided a way out for us. Mm-hmm. The choice of whether we take that way out, the way, the choice of whether to resist or not, ultimately depends on us. But that will help us in the end if we resist. It's it's almost like strength training. Yeah, but, he, you know, he says, 
it says like we won't have a temptation that we can't bear. It's not that we're supposed to just strong arm and bear it ourselves. It's right. that when we trust and rely on God, we can do anything. You know, absolutely. Jesus yeah. says, yep. "Take my yoke. The burden is easy, or the yoke is light, or whatever." I probably misquoted that, but you know what I'm you know what I'm talking about. Right. Yep. Um, yep. So it's with Him we can do all things. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Absolutely, and that'll come out more when we get into those tips on how to overcome you know, the, the spiritual warfare for sure. Yeah. I liked your, uh, your quote of that song, Fred, the second glance that binds the hands. So like you said, it's, so God allows us to be tempted. The first glance is kind of, I don't want to say a test, but that God allows it to happen to draw us to holiness. So that first temptation, you know, what is that calling out of us? Do we, do we succumb or, you know, do we run to God? Do we rely on God? The second glance, when we say yes a second time, I think that really gets into um, the difference between virtue and vice. Um, what what mm. something, when something becomes habitual, are we habitually, you know, praying, relying on God, growing in virtue, growing closer in holy or stronger in holiness and sainthood, or are we drawing further away from God, maybe even unknown to ourselves, um, and and falling into vices? Yeah, absolutely. And Father Chad Ripperger, again, uh, he's the he's the expert, the guy you really should be listening to. Um, but um, I think we're pretty cool, too. But that's besides the point. <laughs> yeah, uh, thanks. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, he says this, every aspect of demons' involvement in our lives is an indication to us from God what he wants us to become purified in, what virtues he wants us to excel in, how he wants us to work out our own salvation— and what kind of graces he wants to beg us to beg for and achieve. Yeah. Um, you know, and, the, and that's part of the process of purifying us. The, the reality here is that those sins that we often succumb to the most, and those things we find ourselves confessing the most uh, mm-hmm. when we go to confession, those are very likely the very areas that God has called us to grow in virtue and perfection in. You know, he's ultimately he's trying to adorn our souls. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's so for me, I think patience. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> you know, um, you know, and I can think of a few other uh, things, but, um, you know, those constant things that we're, 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 we struggle with, that's the very thing that God is trying to perfect in us because mm-hmm. we're all we're all called to grow in the virtues in yeah. all virtues. But in particular, uh, we all have a few virtues uh, in particular that God wants us to really shine in. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the demons, they want us to be trapped in vice. They want us to be, um, to be pulled away from God. But those temptations that God allows can, can like you said, they be, can be intr- instruments uh, to propel us you know, to virtue, to perfection. So how do they, per, you know, how are they instruments? I think it really matters on what our response is then because um, to grow in virtue, we have to make acts of confidence in God. Um, we have to rely on him and turn to him. And one thing I want to talk about too is is um, we've obviously mentioned, you know, God is the one who, um, who can allow these temptations for a purpose. But we mentioned this, there is no fight. There is no fight between between God and Satan. God is all powerful and good, and he and he has dominion over um, over everything and all evil. And I think um, this gives me great comfort. 
Um, because when something happens, when there's temptation, when I, you know, maybe have a nervous moment where, you know, I, I know I'm being tempted, it's immediately like St. Michael the Archangel or, you know, Hail Mary full of grace, just immediately. And that brings such great comfort. Um, but I look to a, the scripture passages where Jesus, you know, he shows he has dominion over evil, um, even in the calming of the storm, like in, in, in ancient tradition, waters were associated with demons. So this is showing he has dominion over evil. And I think even in the exorcisms of the demoniacs throughout scripture, you know, there are ones that are uh, guarding the path and they say, you know, if, if you're going to cast us out, cast us into these pigs, he says one word, he says, go. Um, whereas, you know, other people in the Old Testament, they have all of these instruments or, you know, incantations they'll say for an exorcism, but Jesus just says go because he, ha- he is God. He has authority mm-hmm. over them. Um, God has dominion over evil. So there is no fight. And I think that's something to really take comfort in, um, because we are tempted, but we're tempted for a purpose to grow closer to God. And when we rely on God, we can handle anything. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Okay, Fred, I think that is a good place to stop for this episode. This has been a good discussion. Uh, Let's pick up the practical side of how do we combat spiritual warfare? How do we uh, overcome temptations in the next episode? So thanks for listening. Let's grow together.